Welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. I love that you are here. I love that you're listening and just kind of taking this time for yourself. I wonder what you're doing right now. Are you driving? Are you walking your dog? Are you getting ready in the morning, brushing your teeth, doing your hair, your makeup, whatever it is? These are kind of the places where I listen to podcasts, especially when driving for sure. And I kind of just get tired of listening to the same old music and I just want to be educated and learn about some sort of topic. And yeah, I just, I listen to quite a lot of podcasts actually. And I definitely listen to podcasts when I'm getting ready as well. So just like I said, hair, makeup, that type of thing on my phone. And it's nice because I just, I feel like it's a place, I feel like podcasts just kind of fill time that would otherwise be spent doing mundane things and not really important things, but things that do need to be done. Of course, there's like something to be said about being fully present and being in the quiet and being with yourself. And I I definitely do agree with that. And there's definitely moments where I'm a little overworked and burnt out and I just need silence. And I don't listen to music or do anything during that time just so I can have time to reflect and get my thoughts together and not overstimulate myself. I always find when I'm listening to podcasts, if I start tuning it out, then I know I shouldn't be listening to it right now. And I know that I I need a break and my nervous system needs a break. I'm overstimulated from work and social media and maybe a long to-do list, whatever it is. So that's kind of my gauge on things, but there's definitely some podcasts that I listen to every single week. And then there's obviously some where I kind of just tune in when the episodes feel aligned with myself. So I very much check the episode title and that's basically it. I don't really read the descriptions on the notes or the show notes on the episode. I don't know if people do that like on your phone when you're listening to it. I definitely go through the show notes when there's like a product or something mentioned and I want to buy it or look more into it. Then I go there and I look for the links and then I kind of like save it to my phone or send it to myself or research it. But when I'm on the fly, when I'm in the car, when I'm listening to podcasts, I mostly just read the title and maybe like one or two sentences that are like in the description. And I'm curious what people do. And and that's why I try and make uh, the podcast episodes for my podcast as enticing as possible and also not overwhelming either because there are health podcasts out there that I, and you know, Ben Greenfield is kind of an example of this where he'll talk about eight different things in a podcast episode and all eight things are mentioned in the title. And so when you go to the title of the episode, it's so overwhelming. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Do I even care about all of those things? I'm like, I care about one out of the eight things in this, but do I want to listen to him talk about the other seven? Probably not. So then I don't listen to it. So I try and make my episode titles very clear and concise and enticing. That's like, oh, cool. I'm going to learn something from this. 
this sounds intriguing. Let me take a listen, but without being overwhelming. And I think it works. I hope it works, but that's just how I do things. And I want to give a shout out to a review that I got. What day is it? A couple days ago. This is from a woman named Jane, who is such a sweetheart. And she said, I just love this podcast review. So it's titled Authentic and Informative, five stars. And then it says, a favorite podcast of mine, Brittany asks thoughtful questions about really interesting topics. If you're into wellness and being ahead of the curve, this podcast is for you. Love the short but thorough format as well. Not too long, but she packs in a lot of info. Love. And I love that review. That's awesome. Mostly because like, that's kind of the goal is like, I'm not here to waste your time and produce like two hour, 90 minute episodes. Like I, I just, that's not the point. The point is to just learn and, and grow and be exposed to something new within, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour max and take from it what you resonate with it and for it to be very conversational because the podcasts that I listen to that are my favorite are very conversational in manner. There's a lot of flow. There's a lot of almost like errors too, in terms of like someone laughing or someone coughing and it just feeling like you're tuning into two people having a conversation rather than just straight question and answer, question and answer the whole time. And that's, yeah, it's the goal. And like I mentioned last week, I'm coming up on my hundredth episode in a couple of weeks. And I think I have my idea of what I'm going to talk about. It's going to be fun and different. And I think I have a special guest coming special. We'll say, (laughs) so we'll, we'll see if that ends up happening, but I am excited. And I don't know if I ever thought that I would get to a hundred episodes, to be honest. I started the podcast in 2019 when I was living in New Zealand and took a break for a while. And I think it was in 2020, I took like a six month break from producing any podcast episodes. And then I came back and now there's one a week. And I don't know if I ever thought I'd get to hundred episodes, which is wild. Most, I think the statistic, and I think I've shared this before is most podcasts end up quitting or closing their show after only seven episodes, which is wild. If you think about that. And that's definitely because once you start podcasting, you realize how much work it is (laughs) and how tedious it is all the time to be interviewing people or producing the content, editing the content, publishing it, the whole shabam. So it's way more work than anybody realizes who has never produced their own podcast. It it takes time and that's okay because I think it's worth it and I love it and it's not for everybody. So definitely tune into the hundredth episode. It's going to be fun and a little spicy, I'm sure. And shout out, of course, to this week's sponsor, a sponsor, Inside Tracker, my favorite go-to brand for testing anything. I'm actually going to try and set up another test with them, I think in June, just because I want to get an update on kind of my hormones and my nutrient levels. I've been working on my blood sugar levels as well. 
And the last test I did was March. And I think it's time to kind of get an update and see how things are going. And if you live in Canada and you live in the US, Inside Tracker is a company that comes to your house, takes your blood and does a test for you. And it's, or you can like, you can go to a lab to get it done, but they do um, home visits as well. And they test for 43 different biomarkers and your biological age, which is always great to know. My biological age has always been younger than what I am, which is awesome. And something that I'm always thinking about and kind of working towards. So if you're having weird symptoms, if you're thinking something might be off, maybe something's a little high, maybe something's a little low, hormones, minerals, vitamins, whatever it is, Inside Tracker is my go-to. And I will always use them because it's just so informative. And I love not leaving my house for this type of stuff. I love just staying home and having someone come do it for me and send me the results online. And it's minimal, minimal effort. And it's just, you learn so, so much from your results. And they also have great recommendations as well. So check them out. Of course, they're linked in my show notes and on my website. I have a shop on my website. I have a shop on my Instagram account where you can check it out and you can just like link to it right from there. I'm also on TikTok. If you're not following me on TikTok right now, pull out your phone as you're listening to this or go to TikTok on your phone, type in biohacking as the handle or the username. And that is me. Follow me. I am definitely producing different content on TikTok than I am on Instagram, just because TikTok is a different platform and different things do better over there. So if you want to see more content on me kind of talking about my health journey and explaining things in video format right to the camera, then that is the place to go. So definitely follow me and we can have a discussion on your health and biohacking in general. And as always, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Feel free to leave a review. As you can see, I read all of them and they mean so much to me and really help the show be found and help spread the love of the biohacking community to other people. So enjoy this episode and I will catch you next week. Welcome to another episode of biohacking with Brittany. I am so excited to have you joining me again for another week of health and wellness and biohacking and everything that's latest that's going on in this world. Today, we are diving into supplements, but way more than that, we are looking at health span versus lifespan, as well as a bioscience startup named Mikra. And I actually have the founder and CEO, Faraz Jamal, on with me today to talk about starting his company, what it's doing, and everything that they're doing in this space. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Brittany. I'm really, really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So I know that your company has developed a supplement. It's a nutraceutical gel that's really great for promoting health span. And I've like read your articles and how much funding you've gotten and you're just kind of blowing up. But before we get into all of that and the science and everything like that, I want to know how you got to this place. What did your journey look like that got you to developing this type of company? Yeah, um, that's a great question. It's kind of a really meaty question to start off with. We can 
start right at the beginning. I'll start and say that I'm a huge geek. When I was younger, I was always kind of like in the computer room, always kind of fussing around on the internet, trying to figure out exactly how things worked and things like that. So I started creating and building websites when I was really, really young. So this is like around that ICQ time, like 1999 or so. But it was kind of gave me the impetus and and I I founded a bunch of different websites and, and things like that. And we created a community and I learned so much about seeking knowledge on. And this was super important because as I was kind of doing all these things online, I didn't realize it. And like most young kids and things like that, you don't realize that there's something wrong with you because you have nothing to compare it to. Mm -hmm. I was always super tired. Like, and I know that a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, I kind of get that. But when you're like in class and you're like falling asleep on like on the tables and things like that, and just need to take a nap, it's, it's kind of funky. So, um, and started to like kind of self-diagnose and before i was uh before even dr google was around i think it was like dr alta vista at that point i i started to like kind of get an understanding of okay you know what i might have a whole bunch of different things and i'm sure like everybody like comments and they're like i go on webmd and uh probably gonna die like the next five years or something like that just as soon as you type in all of those like symptoms it's kind of crazy but I, I kind of did all of that and then I kind of came out to like the self-diagnosis of like a whole bunch of different things. And it took, I think it took like a good five years or so before I was finally diagnosed with a low-grade version of non-Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma. Um, it was kind of surreal to be completely honest. And by that time, I was just like in my first couple of years of university, kind of going through electrical engineering. And yeah, it was extremely surreal. And that was the very first time I even thought about health spent. And uh, it was kind of interesting because it was like right around that time where everybody was really enamored with genetics. And, 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 and as you know, like 2004 was like a big year. For genetics like we mapped the human genome and then we started to get into this really cool era of like precision medicine and i was super super excited about that as well and biohacking kind of uh, blew up around that time as well and yeah it, it kind of gave that entire kind of route of like okay well you know what like i've got this chronic illness i'm not sure how it's gonna go i want to pack as much life as humanly possible into everything i do so i kind of went through treatments and I got, uh, I got a really lucky, uh, a lucky couple of like nurses as well as a couple of like friends and things like that. And they kind of turned me into supplements as well. And I learned a lot about detoxification supplements like glutathione and stuff like that. And I found that they really did help me. And I was very, very intrigued by how that could actually happen. So that kind of led me down this entire pathway of trying to understand what happens at a genetic level when you do take supplements. So long story short, I founded Micra based on on those kind of just that entire journey. I joined Bulletproof, I joined Under Armour, I joined a whole bunch of different companies just continuously trying trying to learn a little bit more about health and wellness. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, it's interesting that you joined Bulletproof and like other biohacking companies, let's say, while kind of developing this or before developing this. And I think that's a really smart way to do it. 
And that's like also what a lot of people do too. But it's interesting because I think there's not a lot of like general understanding on supplements for detoxification. I would say like in the general public, like mainstream, I feel like a lot of people just kind of want the quick fixes or like the juices for detoxification or almost like restrictive eating or I kind of almost think of like, what would my mom buy for detoxing? You know what I mean? As like just kind of the general population, their understanding. And I definitely don't think that they are at a point where they would be like, oh, let me buy glutathione to help my detox pathways. There's no way. <laughs> so no. yeah, it, it's so yeah. funky actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting. You get a lot of like kind of those bad diets that are like, you know, what cleanse your system and do a whole bunch of uh, different things. But like the chronic pain and the chronic illness communities are very, very different. Like for us, when we're thinking like detoxification, we're, we're thinking like, okay, well, how can I like get some of this, like these toxins out of me, things that are like contributing to like chemo brain and like chemo brain was like the absolute worst thing. And it's, it's like a 10 times worse version of like misplacing your keys or like forgetting the eggs at the store or something like that. You become this like, super weird shell of a person and i honestly i still remember to this day sitting in it's kind of ironic but i still remember sitting in the in my like physics 170 class in at ubc and i was like i had no idea how i actually got to this class and it, it was really really weird and i remember talking to my doctor about this and i know that there's a lot of people in the chronic fatigue syndrome and me spaces that are, are kind of going through this right now with their doctors and they're like you know what it's just forgetfulness like it's all in your head it's psychosomatic you'll get over it and things like that and at a certain point you're like i don't think i'm i don't think this is but truthfully like doctors and other like specialists aren't really all that well equipped right now uh to deal with these types of chronic syndromes and quite honestly, like 90% of our healthcare spending is to treat chronic illness. And it's, it's a huge statistic. So I'm hoping in, in the future here that we can continue to battle chronic illness before it actually starts. And I think the most important thing that we can do is honestly battle it at a cellular level before some of those genetic changes happen and, and certain expressions get overexpressed or underexpressed and you end up with a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought a lot about what you're saying just in my own experience of my own health issues and seeing family and friends go through different things. And it's difficult to kind of tell people and explain what preventative medicine is or preventative health is, right? Like you have to put in all of this work and effort and know what you're doing right now for multiple years so that you don't prevent something that may or may not ever happen. (laughs) So Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like this foolproof way of doing things, but it's invisible, right? Like it's not like, it's not like you have a headache and you take a supplement and the headache's gone. You're like taking a supplement or doing something so that the headache never arrives in the first place, but there's no way to guarantee that the headache would have arrived anyway. So it's such a weird narrative to kind of like wrap your head around. And unless you're like really in the health space or you've been through a lot of health issues and you know what you're doing, I I just find a lot of people aren't really that dedicated to like day in and day out preventative health like that. Is that kind of what you find or are you finding like that is kind of shifting now? 
Yeah, you know what? You kind of hit the nail on the head. And, and it's honestly the entire reason that Micro is so focused in on health span versus longevity. Like longevity can come from health span, but it's so hard to measure longevity. Like you you literally need lifetime. Where we're focused in on like animal models and, and trying to understand if we supplement with NAD plus or something like that, will this particular animal's lifespan increase? It's not it's not the most accurate way of going about it. And and truthfully, it's also kind of the the reason why the supplement industry is in, in its its unpopular opinion. But there's a lot of companies right now that are kind of you get the whole snake oil thing appended to you. And it's because things aren't rigorously tested. But at the same time, if you're going down this pathway of longevity, it's impossible for you to say. And like when you're younger and things like that, you think you're going to live forever. There was, there was just, if you're fortunate enough, and until you hit 30, 35, or even 40, you're not really thinking about like cognitive decline or like any sort of chronic pain and things like that. But when you're, sometimes it's just at that point in time, like you're just willing to try anything and mm-hmm. it's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. And I've seen that as well. So how do you, when people ask you, like, how do you define health span versus lifespan versus longevity? Yeah. So for me, health span is being able to get up in the morning and being able to accomplish everything I want to do without any pain or any sort of like illness or any like ill effects. Like I want to, health span for me is like what normal people have in their twenties. Like you go out, you're able to have that burger or have that drink and you know what, wake up in the morning and not feel like just horrendous. That's kind of health span for me. It's enjoying every moment that you have. And honestly, like Micro's entire premise and what we talk about internally is essentially how do we maximize the amount of great and amazing moments that our customers and even our clinical trial partners have. And that's probably the most powerful thing that we can do. In terms of lifespan, I think pharmaceuticals as well as surgical advancements and things like that, we're already seeing lifespan increase. The problem that I think that we're still facing, like I said, 90% of our healthcare spending is on chronic illness. I think the portion that you're spending in good health is not increasing at the rate our lifespan is increasing. And I think that's what we need to solve, right? If you give a lot of people the option right now, most people are not going to pick a long life where you have to sit on the couch and you're just not able to do things. So yeah, I mean, I I explain in pretty similar as well, like almost like, you know, lifespan is how many years you live, obviously, and your health span is like, how many of those years are you actually able to do what you want and not feel debilitated in a different way? Like, physically debilitated, but also mentally, uh, emotionally, all of the different layers. And I don't know, like, I I wonder now, I don't even know what the average lifespan is, to be honest, but I wonder what the average lifespan is and what the average health span is if we're going to use this definition. Like, does the average person live to like 85 now and their health span is, I don't know, 50? Like, I I have no idea. What what do you think those numbers are? Yeah. So, it's, uh, it really depends. There's a there's an official way of quantifying health span, but if we're utilizing the definition of essentially like how much or how well you feel on a daily basis, we actually ran a an internal study. We, we gathered nearly 10,000 respondents, and it was a really simple study in the sense of we just asked individuals and between 20 and 30, 
13, 40, 40, 50, and so forth, if they felt healthy. And then essentially 85% of people after they turned 30 answered no. And that was, that was a stark change and it's baffling and it kind of lends a lot of credence to the whole, you know, you're over the hill when you turn 30 and things like that. But there's something fundamentally that changes at a cellular level when you do it. And honestly, it, I think it starts much, much earlier. And like in my case, it started when I was 13 and it just slowly, slowly built up to the point where, you know what, I did develop something and it, it I, I'm always obsessed with like, how do we change that? How can we, it's not the, it's not as easy as like, let's say let's cure cancer, but how can we stop some of that low grade inflammation or some of those energy dysfunctions uh, before they actually do cascade into something massive? Yeah. I mean, that's a really tough question. I wish it was so easy to just have that answer. Like I'm 28 now and I started having health problems at 16 and I, and that's kind of what got me on my own journey of like turning my life around and being like, look, like I can't eat this certain way and drink this certain way and treat my body this way. And I'm just going to feel terrible. And I'm 16 and I'm already having these symptoms. What is my life going to look like? Right. Kind of like yours, but of course yours was more, more serious, but it's hard. It's, I think it's hard for people. If you don't have that kind of wake up call, it's kind of hard to push yourself to make better decisions every day, especially if you're under 30. No, I completely agree. And actually the, the one universal thing that has always been easy to explain to everyone is essentially when you go through university, college or whatever, and how much alcohol were you able to actually drink at that point? <laughs> and then compared to like where you're at right now, and I think the running joke right now is like a glass or, or two of wine now when you're like above 30 is like the equivalent of having like, I don't know, 10, 12 beers when you were younger. It's wild. Like it's clear that something does change. And I think contrasting your older years and your younger years is just an easy way to explain that whole health span concept. But you're right, as, as a species, we're not very good at taking care of ourselves in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that it would, you could somehow, if you lived like some sort of like optimal life, let's say like every single day, like you could be able to drink alcohol at 35, the way that you did at 20, or do you think like, no matter what your decisions, there is an element of age that is that factor here? You know what? I, I honestly think there, I think it's uh it's just a slower burn. I think there will always be that degradation. And I know that everybody has this this quest for the Holy Grail of like living forever. But I, I honestly think there will always be a degradation, but I think it can be a hack. I think that over time, it can be a little bit slower and maybe a little bit more or less pronounced. So I do think that sadly, I do think there is a finite end to our, our outings and then like drinking escapades, but I think it can be farther into the future for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, to be honest, like when I was not really that healthy as I am now, I used to party like four times a week, which is insane. If you think about that now, like what? Anyway, definitely do not do that now. And I don't think I could, even if I wanted to, um, yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, I, I totally get it. And for me, a part of that is, is a lot of his work. 
I used to be able to put in those like 14, 15 hour days and be able to be okay. And I remember being at Bulletproof and I had actually got a recurrence of non-Hodgkin's during that time. And I had just started immunotherapy and I was like a week into it. And I remember being able to fly down to Seattle and being part of a whole bunch of board meetings, not feeling like super great or anything of the sort, but not not feeling like death or, or anything like that. But as time goes on and things like that, and I had another recurrence a little while ago, it there was no way. I thought I would be able to tackle it in the exact same way, but there's no chance. It just like completely floored me. So I think there's definitely these limits that uh, that we're going to continue to run up against. And they just cascade into a whole bunch of different ways. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I also think like the goal isn't necessarily to be younger in any form, look younger or act younger. It's more of like, how can you feel the best at your age that you're at right now? Like, I like if you look at everyone who's 30, right? Everyone is going to feel different at 30. But for you, like how, yeah, what practices can you do right now that are actually going to make you feel the best? It's not about feeling like you're 18. It's just about being better at 30, I would say. Do you agree with that? I don't know. Yeah, totally. And I think for me, it's like, are you waking up and are you grateful for your health? Um, mm-hmm. Or are you feeling less than stellar? And if you're feeling less than stellar, then there's, I, I generally feel like there's something wrong and that there's something that you need to probably address and, and probably fix because your health shouldn't change like, you shouldn't do a 180, like from one night to another. And, and like we, we kind of chatted about as well, there's a gradual change. You shouldn't be waking up and be like, okay, well, compared to yesterday, I feel like that's not the right way to go about it. Yeah, I agree with that too. There's definitely a gradual change in both directions. If you are becoming healthier, it takes time. And also it takes time for your health to decline as well. It's almost like focusing on the daily healthy habits, like whether it's a supplement or whether it's going for a run versus like some sort of abstract goal that you're going to get to at one point. At least that's what I try and do. And then it makes me much more present and successful. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, actually that's a great way of tackling it. Yeah. So the supplement that you have developed or you are developing, I don't think it's actually released yet, is it? Actually, yeah, we just released it for uh, kind of a soft launch uh, a few weeks ago. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you developed this gel and it's basically focused on increasing health span, like everything that we've talked about. What are some of the ingredients in it and, and why did you choose those ones? Yeah, so we actually chose uh, glutathione, PQQ, and and the uh, the ingredients in it are studied and validated in over 145 human clinical studies. But the reason why we chose all of those particular ingredients all at once was the synergies between all of them. So they they have this ability to cascade into positive health outcomes across your brain, your heart, your skin, and your digestive, and that was something that was really really important to me. Whereas a lot of supplements right now are very, very focused in on like, okay, let's enhance your mood, let's enhance your energy or things like that. We wanted to create something that's more akin to a modern multivitamin. So that's fundamentally the reason why we, we chose those particular ingredients right off the bat. How can you tell if your healthy and not so healthy decisions are impacting your health on a cellular level or even impacting your biological age? 
feeling better is one thing and having symptoms get better is one thing, but there's something completely different about having the data and the numbers behind it. This can be very helpful for both your short-term and your long-term goals. We need to be testing ourselves regularly so we know where we stand, whether it's testing our vitamin levels, cholesterol, blood sugar, whatever it is, the proof is in the data. It can be such a pain to get tested through our doctors and our clinics. And when we do these tests, often they don't even give us all the biomarkers that we ask for. That's why I love at-home tests. Um, I find it super interesting to get my biological age test specifically because it indicates how all of my decisions are impacting me. Your biological age is a representation of your health conditions and a predictor of how soon you can exhibit chronic conditions of late life. This is obviously compared to our chronological age, which is just the amount of time that has passed since we were born. When I first got tested last year, my results said I was 19.7 years old. And the second time I was tested, it said I was 18 years old and I was 27 at the time. I recently got my biological age tested again through Inside Tracker's inner age test. And this time it said I was 22 years old and I'm now 28. My age actually went up. <laughs> and this is likely because my HbA1c levels were higher after spending 10 days in Costa Rica recently, where I had a ton of cocktails and fruit and carbs, and also just eating more carbs and processed food in the last few months. The great thing about Inside Tracker's inner age test is that it actually shows you which specific biomarkers are making you older or making you younger. And it identified that my HbA1c needs to come down because it's actually making me older on a cellular level, which is so helpful to know and know what I need to be doing next. Knowing your age can help you make these changes and help you just really make smarter decisions and be more informed moving forward. I always get tested through Inside Tracker, and you can as well, and use my discount code at checkout, which is BiohackingBrittany in all capitals. It's linked on my website underneath my shop, and it'll be on my show notes as well. Yeah, I love that. That makes a lot of sense. And these ingredients are only growing in popularity, like I kind of said earlier, like I think we're just starting to look at supplements from this perspective compared to, you know, a daily vitamin C or something like that. I think we're really diving deep into the power of them and, and what they can do for us. So how can the average person, aside from your supplement, understand what supplements or nutraceuticals work and, and which ones don't? Yeah. So honestly, I think there's a lot of validity in the majority of supplements. I think there's opportunity to continuously take them and, and to have uh, them absorbed into your system and for them to cascade into positive outcomes. The fundamental difference and the reason why we developed this particular nutraceutical is we wanted to innovate past. So a big part of what Micro does is that we engage both on the consumer wellness side. So we do offer this nutraceutical gel, but we're also taking that nutraceutical gel and we're putting it into clinical trials. And one of the, the major things that is something I'm very, very passionate about is chronic fatigue syndrome. So kind of like the way I referenced it a little bit earlier on around chemo CFS or ME is very much similar to that. When you feel perpetually tired, you feel like you can't do uh, what you used to do and you just can't control it. We want to see how our supplement 
impacts that type of population at a cellular and molecular level. So that's the reason why we're pushing this particular clinical trial forward. And the, the secret sauce is we'll open source. So we do have a patent on our particular product right now, and it's it kind of mimics a, a biological process that, that already takes place in your, your body, and that's called receptor-mediated endocytosis, which is a really, really fancy way of saying that your body engulfs a particular cell and absorbs those nutrients. So that's kind of the way that we're, we're approaching all of our nutraceuticals. We want to ensure direct delivery into your cells. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that because... Cellular function is honestly like the root cause of most health problems that people have, right? Regardless of kind of what you're dealing with, you can say it's gut health, which is like everyone's favorite thing to say right now. But then you have to question like, okay, why is the gut not performing well? Like why, why are my cells not doing this? And is it really the mitochondria in the cells, right? Like how far down can we go and, and what can we do about it to really get the health results that we want? So when you're creating a supplement that target cells from that perspective, like that's huge and, and really significant for people because what benefits are they going to feel, right? Like how is it actually going to play out into maybe other symptoms that they're feeling or experiencing, not just energy? Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I think the, the number one thing I always try to tell everyone is unless you're going for a stimulant, try to go for more of like a holistic blend. There's no particular reason why you need to take a ton of a particular supplement. There's so much validity in taking a systemic supplement and having them impact a whole bunch of cellular pathways. And again, like you have so many genetic or so many genes and so many genomic pathways that you can influence by just two or three different ingredients that it's so much more worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So what role do you think supplements play in our health span versus diet or versus like lifestyle practices? Yeah. So I think that's a heavy question. I think there's a lot of I'm trying to approach this from a, a semi uh, non-biased view. And the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm kind of cagey on this one is that exercise is so important and it's very, very important to stay active and, and things like that. But for a lot of people, especially with chronic illness, they're not able to. So I think that's where supplementation can really, really influence quite a bit. Maybe more supplementation on those aspects will be more beneficial. In terms of everyone else, like I think it plays an equal role. Like you have your exercise, you have your lifestyle changes, and you have supplementation. And I think between all of those things, you can really extend your health span in, in a dramatic way. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I I have definitely tried to get success by isolating one or the other, right? Like maybe yeah. only doing diet or maybe only working out or maybe only taking a supplement and you just don't get the results, whether it's sleep or energy or skin or weight loss, whatever you're working on, like the holistic protocol and, and the holistic way of looking at yourself is so effective because you're really like looking at everything that impacts you and saying, okay, is this making me healthier? Is this helping me or not? And I think a lot of people really need to move to that perspective to get better results than probably what they're seeing right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. And there's been so much change and, and so much more opportunity in every aspect of health these days that mm -hmm. is worthwhile to test into everything. 
Yeah, exactly. So what are the typical like benefits that people see if they take your supplement for quite a, quite a long time? Yeah. So uh, right now, I think the number one thing is people are, are feeling that increased energy. And it's interesting, like every time like I, I hop on with, with a consumer or anything like that, we, we kind of talk through what that means to them. And like energy is such a, is such an interesting one. Everybody thinks like when you have more energy, you're just like buzzing around and you're just jumping off the walls and things like that. But like sometimes energy is just the ability to focus. And we sometimes have the, we lack the right words to like describe how we're feeling. So for right now, all of micros consumers, like I'd say a good, like 75% of people are, are feeling like a little bit more dialed in, especially within those first couple of weeks. And then Around that four-week mark, I've, I've been noticing that people are essentially saying that what recovery period on some of their workouts and the runs kind of comes down. And I'm getting quite a few people who are like, you know what, my my aura ring is telling me I'm spending a lot more time in deep sleep, which is great. So it kind of lends a lot, again, like a lot of credence to that whole systemic health and wellness type situation. So yeah, I think for me right now, like the way that I'm taking away, like some of the initial product reactions is that people are just feeling better and living healthier. So yeah, calling it a win. That's definitely something to to note and, and to think about. And like you said, like energy is so difficult to actually explain. Like it's also just so subjective, right? If I'm feeling energized today, my energized might actually be not that energizing for you because you're used to being on like a higher level or however we want to describe it. So it's so subjective. And so that's so interesting that it's kind of like after a month, people are like, oh yeah, like I'm actually feeling more focused or I can do more in a day or however the words that they're using. And it's hard. Yeah, of course, like coffee and stimulants are such an obvious thing that gives you energy. And then it's kind of like everything else we kind of compare to that now. Does it make me feel the same way as I do when I take like a very clear uh, stimulant? Yeah, that whole instant gratification thing really kind of keeps up a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to compete with that type of stuff, right? Even right now, like I am moving to decaf and I've really like in the last month, like really, really cut back on how much caffeine I'm having. And then I think you saw on Instagram on the weekend, I I did two workouts back to back and I took my friend's pre-workout and I haven't had pre-workout in so long. And it had 150 milligrams of caffeine in it. It was like C4, whatever the like- Oh, yeah. Really intense one is, and I was tingling like crazy because it's got, I think it's taurine that makes your skin like tingle. And I was buzzing. I was like, wow. And then, but then the thing is, is like three hours later, you're so tired and you've totally crashed. And the next day you're so tired. So it's, it's like, how do you generate energy that's sustainable without the crash and doesn't screw up your hormones and your sleep? And I, I think that's like where your supplement comes into play. Yeah. And, and honestly, the, uh, I think that's the bigger thing, right? Like I just want to continuously create and innovate on the supplement, depending on what the clinical trials come back with. I always feel like there's room to improve and supplements have come a long way, but I think there's so much more opportunity. And I've been in the supplement uh, industry for a little bit and like I've seen the innovation and sometimes a lack of it. And I think that's actually kind of the scary part for me as well. And you can technically spin up 
a supplement brand overnight. You can white label something and you can start shipping it out of a warehouse and you can be operational in no time at all. And that's the part that, that I'm really trying to kind of combat a little bit and investing in clinical trials, investing in patents and open sourcing some of those, sorry, the data points, something that I think will help us push a little bit of the supplement industry forward. And hopefully lend a little bit more authority and as well as trustworthiness so that more people try it out. Because as soon as like, and I'm sure that you've come across this in, in your in your day-to-day is that like, as soon as you tell somebody that you're taking a supplement, they're either like completely on board because they've had a good experience before, or they feel like it's snake oil. We just need to trend people into the right direction so that they also can benefit from it. I 100% know what you're talking about. And there's some people who, what do they call it? Like supplements, it's just like expensive urine or something. Like yeah. as in like you just pee it all out and doesn't really matter if you're taking anything. And yeah, then, the whole multivitamin thing yeah. really uh, push that. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I do agree with you in terms of like the lack of innovation in the supplement industry. Like I I still have a massive drawer of supplements and I had a massive drawer of supplements 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Like it's, we're still popping pills and like capsules and it, like the whole mechanism of them. And I know yours is a gel, which is obviously innovative and different, but we're still kind of doing the same thing. So I don't know, like, do you, have you thought about different ways to kind of do this? I don't know. Oh, yeah. So this is actually like a, a big part of what we, we were trying to do at Micra. And we we really do prioritize like function um, over form. And honestly, I'll be the first person to say it. And it's the number one thing that you'll see, like as soon as you do sign up on our website, is it's a funky gel. And then the reason why it's a gel is because we couldn't get our RME technology to bind to anything but within this gel. So glutathione ptq and coq10 in the liquid bioavailable forms so like glutathione when it's oxidized is called gss and a lot of the supplements that you buy in the powdered form and things like that are oxidized supplements so what we went for was the most bioavailable and biopotent version of it and we also manufacture it in an oxygen deprived environment and if you're familiar with glutathione at all in like its raw form it tastes and smells like sulfur, so raw necks. And supplement companies have strayed away from utilizing some of that bioavailability to oxidizing it to make it a little bit more palatable. And that's, and, and we're kind of doing ourselves a little bit of a disservice. And one of the things on micro side is that we're trying to innovate as much as we can to create a delivery system that's more efficient. Because you kind of hit the nail on the head, like you shouldn't have like a drawer full or like a medicine cabinet full of a whole bunch. Of if you think about it, like the molecular weight of these pills is so small, we should be able to fit them into something or into a delivery mechanism that makes them more efficient at a less volume. So that's what we're kind of striving towards doing. And a big part of, again, like our clinical trial roadmap and things like that is just to prove out the efficacy off this particular delivery system and then we'll continue to try to get it into a smaller format or something like that i don't think we'll ever be able to get it into a pill in the way that we would like it to because of the release factor but yeah i think there's so much opportunity for us to really innovate on delivery methods or at least the microscopic delivery method 
yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity to kind of shake up how things have been done, whether it's like how, like the form that the supplement actually comes in, how often you're taking it, all of it. Like it's just, it's kind of been done and it's cool that you're expanding on that and challenging that. Cause I've talked to a lot of supplement companies and a lot of them are not even thinking about anything like this. It's very much like, oh, it comes in a capsule, take it, great, here you go. So I, I think that's really cool that you're actually considering this type of thing. Yeah, no, it's it's been a it's been a wild ride, but I always compare it to like the IV medics and, and things like that, and most specifically those like Vegas like IV hangovers, and they they work really well. But honestly, they're just they're directly inserting. They like they don't have to deal with the gastric environment or the gastric environment or any sort of other enzymatic kind of reactions so we just need to figure out a better delivery method yeah it would be really cool if we could just do an at-home iv for ourselves and but like how do you trust people to do that like it's like people i don't know how much you know about peptides but i keep looking into peptides and i'm like okay like i have to put this needle in my skin by myself okay like how do i do this but i do think the change is coming for sure for sure yeah yeah i agree with that it's, yeah, it's going to be, I think the next 10 years is going to be an extremely innovative time and preventative medicine is going to be huge. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it already is, right? Like even the rise of a supplement like yours or like biohacking versus just like general wellness or general self-care, right? Like we're really getting into like longevity, the nitty gritty and optimizing our health rather than just like kind of surface level things, which is really exciting. And and it's a good place for both of us to be in. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to try your supplements or they want to connect with you, where can they do that? Just head over to wearemicro.com and uh, you'll be able to to check us out there or just hit us up on any of our social channels at wearemicro. Amazing. I will put that in the show notes and I'll put it on my website for everybody to connect with you. And thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome to connect with a local and and hear what you're doing and what you're up to. Yeah, I know. I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me, Brittany. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.